Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily, and on Mondays, you know what it means. It's Mondays with Meltzer from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com. Great commentary and writing there from our guest and our weekly hit with Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I am doing well. Hope you are, too. Getting ready for the holidays. Is the stress uh, eating you up <laughs> as it does for to <laughs> us as uh, parents? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's, ooh, <laughs> cat just jumped on me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it's stressful, but, yeah, it's good stressful. Looking forward to, you know, looking forward to seeing some family. Yeah, it, it'll be, it's weird when you don't have kids, I guess, and you miss the, the craziness of the holidays. But it has been a crazy week in Flyerland. So many storylines from Lucas Sedlak going back home to Chechia to, you know, just the games that were played, the performance of Carter Hart, uh, John Tortorella and the Kevin Hayes saga, Keith Yandel chiming in and, uh, you know, IR for Cam York. So let's start with what I believe is the biggest storyline. That's probably the Kevin Hayes story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that's something that uh, is going to be interesting to see where we go from here. Um, You know, it, it, you scratch you scratch a player of Hayes' stature in the lineup. Um, you know, if, it, if it's a one game thing, and we'll we'll see. We'll see we'll see where it goes. I mean, he benched him for a period now twice. And you can't you can't really do that a third time in a season. So something's gotta give one way or another. So um, you know, when when you bench your leading scorer, when you when you scratch your leading scorer, that's not, that's not something you, you do lightly. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of pros and cons. You weigh when you when you take a step like that. And, and John Tortorella said that he was thinking big picture. He wasn't he wasn't thinking Rangers game. He was thinking, you know, in, in terms of the standard and identity he wants to see the team have. And you can't have that if one of the guys you count you rely heavily on to be one of the guys who is a tone setter is not on board with that and is not exhibiting that. So, you know, it's going to be, again, it's going to be really interesting where that goes from there. Um, I don't think it's open defiance. I just, I just think there are habits you learn when you play and it's not the easiest thing sometimes for a veteran player to unlearn the way that he plays. Um, Kevin Hayes is a player who relies very heavily on, on his ability to, shield the puck and, and dangle a little bit and and you know there, there's risk in this game and I, I don't know that I don't know that that's so easily broken um so it's going to be really interesting to see can they come to a happy medium between the two they've, they've already changed his position already moved him from center to wing even though they're thin at center to begin with um Scratch him for a period twice. Scratch him for a, a game you know he'd be up for against his former team. It's, it's easy to get up for playing the Rangers anyway. So, you know, what are, what are the next steps here? And uh, I, I I don't know that I know the answers. I don't know that anybody knows the answers right yeah. now. That, that's the thing that makes it so intriguing, Bill, is is what's the path here? Where, where does this path take us? And nobody knows. And and I don't know that Torts knows, the player knows, or anybody knows, because it's going to quite possibly f- be full of some twists and turns. Were you surprised? You know, Zach McEwen showed up on game day versus the Rangers, and he was ill, and they sent him home right away. 
and they thought maybe getting some rest, he could get in the lineup that night. That wasn't the case. And instead of putting Kevin Hayes back in the lineup to run 12 and six, they opted to go 11 and seven. And Justin Braun drew back in the lineup, who was due to be a healthy scratch, and he only saw four and a half minutes of ice time. Yeah. Yeah. Which clearly says that there was nothing Kevin Hayes could do to get back in the lineup. Um, you know, if, if it meant going with, uh, you know, if you had other injuries in the lineup, you know, and and you were you were just playing a player short as has happened sometimes. There was, I don't think there was any way Kevin Hayes was going to be in that lineup on on Saturday night. So that that that's pretty much pretty much clear. Um, so whatever, uh, you know, I, I obviously it's something that John Tortorella thought about it and again took very seriously. But he was he wasn't changing his mind. Yeah, and Bill, you know, accountability is. It can't be random and it can't be when you feel like you got the energy to hold it and hold people to it. It's got to be full time and it's got to be for everyone or it's going to end up being for no one. And especially with a figure like Kevin Hayes. Yeah, it's a huge shot over the bow to that room, but also it's it's a huge shot to everyone to say, look, if our leading scorer and a team that has trouble scoring can be you know, bench for a period twice, 31 games into the season and healthy scratched Then anybody in this room is, it, it certainly has to hold up their end of the bargain or you'll be right there in that same boat. Sure. And, and uh, I mean, Tony, Tony D'Angelo was healthy scratch recently before the unfortunate situation with, with uh, his grandma passing. Um, apparently the, he was going to be a healthy scratch, a second straight game um, before he, before he learned of the situation with his family. Um, so that's a guy who's, I mean, there were games where he was playing. Yes, he was moved down the lineup. He was still still collecting his minutes, still on PP1. And, you know, there were significant part of the year. He was really, really playing a lot of minutes. So, you know, it's a guy who's been been one of their key defensemen. Uh, it's your number one center. And it's, a, you know, recently too, it was Joe, Joe Farabee. Felt yeah. the felt the lash a little bit too, where you know where, where Tort said that uh, you know in in terms of, he's not, he's not buying the injury excuse that the the next surgery was long long ago enough now that Farabee should be back on top of his game, um, and uh, also said I mean it was, it was a nuanced response because he said that he's seen that Farabee is and can be a very effective player. That he's an important player on the team, all, all those things. Um, but when he was asked, "Well, what can you do to, to help him change line mates or or whatever?" and he said, "I don't, I don't spend my waking hours figuring out ways to help Joe Farabee. Joe has to help himself. I mean, that's that's a shot of that's a shot of the cross the bow of the player too. So, you know, so it, it goes for everybody. It's it clear clearly it goes for everyone on the team. There, there's not a player who can think he's a he's above it. So." Um, if, if that message isn't clear by now, I don't, I don't know what it would take to do that, but I think, I think it's read loud and clear. Yeah. If, if you're not, if you're not getting it at this point, you're never going to get it. Bill, let me ask you something about the Ranger game. Cause I debated this and I'm not sure of the answer. Um, I'm not sure of the analytics answer on it. The fires were down four, three in the game and they get a power play late and towards ops to pull the goaltender to make it a six on four. And where I scratch my head on this is okay a five on three two-man advantage is pronounced because there's a lot of room on the ice in the offensive zone to operate 
in a six on four, you're throwing two more players out. There's 10 skaters and a goaltender out there. It's pretty crowded in the offensive yeah. zone. So there's just not that same, you know, two man advantage because there's more ground covered by people just by the, the sheer numbers. And the other part of it is that the team that's killing the penalty can now throw at the distance of the ice without consequence, no icing, which means, you know, drawback in their end, and you can't change players. So you don't have that reluctance to throw something for the open net from 170 feet. You're, you're worried more about getting the red line. And they pull the goalie and they get scored on in that power play. And it basically mitigates the rest of the power play because now you're down two. What's your thought on on pulling the goaltender in that situation? There's still, I think, three and a half minutes left. Yeah, I mean, more and more teams, as you said, pulled the goalie early anyway with, with the six on five. Um, it, it's an aggressive strategy. You know, I, I go back to something that uh, that Roger Nielsen used to, to roll out on occasion. And, and, and I worked one time. When they had the extra skater, they actually put their, their third skater out, out at center point. And he was asked, why Why do you do that? He said, well, you know, it makes it harder for the other team to clear the, clear the zone. You, you can keep on attacking as long as you have, the, as long as you have possession. And so it's clogging up the, the top of the zone to make it harder for the other team to get out. And he said that that actually can be more of a benefit than having an extra body crashing in that because just for what you said, there's a lot of traffic around there. Yeah. So some, sometimes it's just it's, it's almost too crowded. Um, and and it made a lot of sense to me, and I kind of wondered why teams don't do that more often. Because um, you know you, you can't go right through the middle of the ice because there's a guy there to intercept it, and it, particularly if you have a power play, and there there are only four guys in the ice, and you have two extra bodies, you know maybe one body down low and one body up high kind of makes some sense. Um, but it, it's not it's not really widely used. But but I but I see some logic to that, and actually, me too. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought about that. Uh, after the game, actually, <laughs> that's uh, you know you're building a wall at the blue line for them, you know, not to be able to exit to knock pucks down if they go for the open net on. It, there's a lot of logic in it, and you know, Roger was great at that. Roger Nielsen, the innovator, and I'd love to see that. In play. If you're going to do it, you have to do more to prevent that 165, 170 foot goal like Truba got, where he just spins and throws it down there. Built 21 games in 40 days um, is quite a bit. Flyers just wrapped that up with that Ranger game record of four, 12 and five over that period of time, total of 49 goals for, uh, and in the entire 21 games, uh, 2.33 goals per game. Uh, they had 78 goals allowed 3.71 goals allowed. They went seven for 53 on the power play, which is 13%. And they killed off 40 of 57 pen- uh, penalties only 71%. The easy number here is obviously goals four, but the power play at 13 and the PK given up well more than average, not going to be a recipe for success. No, no, it's not. Um, you know, you, and there've been, even with, within there, there, there have been some, you know, obviously over that number of games, anyway, there's going to be some ebbs and flows, but, uh, but I, I thought that in the last homestand before the, before the four game road trip, they, they had a four for nine stretch on the power play. And not only, not only did they score some, the ones they didn't score, and a lot of them looked pretty good, where they were moving the puck well, where they were getting into the zone. Winning that initial faceoff is huge. Flyers are not a very good faceoff team. so um, And they, they struggle bringing the puck up on entry. So it's really extra important to, to win that first faceoff. Um, 
So, you know, there's a piece of that too. And I think the, I think the PK has looked better of late. They had, they had a stretch there where they were really struggling on the PK. Um, you know, the, in terms of the number of goals against, um, and I think we talked about this the other day on stick to hockey where they've played 12 games this year. They've been tied going into the third period and you, and eight more where they've led going into the third period. And there's, there's seven Oh and one when they've led going into the third period, but in the 12 where they've been tied, they've only won two. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of winnable points that have been left on the table because they can't score. Yeah. And, you know, you fall behind one, you know, you, just, just the mass says you're going to have to score two in a row to win the game. And score, scoring more than two, period, a lot of times is, you know, a difficulty for this team. So I, th- I think it stems to that. The, the difficulty they have in, in converting chances, and it doesn't leave them much margin for error. Um, the special team side certainly has hurt them o- o- over this stretch of 20, 21 games. Um, but I, I think that it, I think it comes more from the fact that they go in and and uh, just you know, just how many games they've scored two goals or one goal. I think they've only been shut out time one time, right? Or yeah, twice. Yeah, um, San Jose shut them out, but 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 well, New York did too in the one nothing overtime. One nothing game. That, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one went to over. The one went to overtime. Uh, zero zero. So yeah, so, so twice this season. Um, but I think that, uh, it just, it, it makes, it makes it very, very hard on your goaltender. Um, you know, because you're going, you're going in knowing that, uh, and, the, and, and, uh, also something strange too, Jason is that the Flyers scoring first has not actually helped them very much. No, it hasn't. You're right. You know, and, and that, that's not typical league wide, usually league wide, you, you win 70% of the time if, if you, if you score first, but. For the Flyers, it hasn't really helped at all, um, in, you know, including the Rangers game. Yeah. So I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think I think the fact that in in twenty well twenty or thirty two games now they've led or been tied going into the third period that tells you how hard that they work. That tells you that they they compete. It also tells you that they don't have enough weapons to be able to to pull out those games. No closers. You, yeah, they, they don't have they don't have them, and they still have difficulty. It's something that Tortorella has pointed to, and I agree with him on. When the momentum turns, they have trouble reeling it back in. Yeah, um, you know whether it's five bad minutes or sometimes an entire period. Um, they they have guys who can once they get going, then they can step up too, but they have guys who kind of blend negatively too when the momentum turns against them, and that that. That's something that um, I, don't, I don't know how much of it is mentality, how much of it is talent. Uh, Torch seems to point more towards the you know, it's an attitude and a mindset, but uh, it's definitely something. It's definitely something noticeable. Um, it's an go, it's a mindset for players that have talent. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's the way I look at that. Exactly, exactly. So, so there's a little bit of both that's in there. Um, you know. <clears throat> Thinking the Rangers game and, and thinking on the – it's strange because the Flyers had the back-to-back power plays in the second period. And they didn't score on either one of them. But both power plays 
were really good power plays. Well, they, Halak they, was they, out of his skull. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you don't get scored right after that second one, I, I think you carry some momentum over. I agree. It, it, it was, you know, but it, it's so deflating to to attack essentially for four minutes, and guy comes out of the box and, and he scores on a breakaway. And the guy only had one goal on the season, too. I mean, you know, talented a talented young defenseman, but still. Keon Miller only had one goal and he made it look easy. Yeah. After he got, after he tripped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, it, you know, it, uh, you think the play's over and they're getting a power play or a penalty shot out of that. And he, he still goes in and he scores. So, yeah. you know, that I think, I think for any team that, that sends you reeling a little bit, but you know, that, that changed the complexion of that game. Not, not only not scoring in the power play, but now all of a sudden you're trailing, um, and they, they were able to do things in that particular game that pulled themselves back to a goal twice. Yes, Scott Lawton they, makes a great play on the PK to get the shorty, yeah. and then Frost just brilliantly using the defenseman and shooting it through his legs with good good tempo on that shot, too. It was. It was. It's only the, only the second time this year that, that Frost has beaten a goalie like that. Um, mm-hmm. He did an opening night, and, and he did, that, was, that was a really nice shot. It was uh, over the glove, well-placed. Again, using the D as a screen, that that was really really nice to see. But uh, it it, all, it almost felt like they were going to find a way to tie it, and that also leads into pulling the goalie with the power play, trying to aggressively go after it. You know, it, it's so it, it's it's felt almost automatic these last two years that when they pull the goalie, it's it's going to be a goal against. And if you and you pull the goalie twice, it's going to be two goals against. It just it's just they, seems like that way. During the 21 for games in 40 days, I think they got scored on empty net tw- two times in three of the games. Yeah. So yeah. six goals right there on, on the empty net. Yeah. Um, Bill, uh, Lucas Sedlak decided to return home, wants to be closer to his fiance. He wanted to come over. We talked to Torts on Saturday, and he said, you know, after the offensive success he had in the KHL, he wanted to come back over and see if he could play a top six role in the NHL. He realized really quick in Colorado that wasn't going to be the case. He got put on waivers and ended up here. And like Tort said, if you can't break the top six here <laughs> right now, then you're probably not a top six guy in the NHL. Said he's going to miss him a lot, but um, Sedlak is uh, no longer here. It does open up a contract, though. They are now at 49 contracts because his has been terminated. I asked Torts on Saturday about Anisimov, and I don't know that that's a foregone – a lot of people think that's a foregone conclusion. I think they want to look at the kids and they want to get more data on who's who and what's what, because Anisimov may be better to look at down the bench in the middle of a game when you need a guy, but is he going to help you three years down the line? I think that's sure. what they're looking at. Sure. And, and you, you could apply that to any number of aging veterans. I, Justin you know, Braun. <laughs> Justin, Justin Braun. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, and, and guys around the league who become available, um, like Craig Smith, is on waivers and Craig Smith is a player I like quite a bit, and and he's been a twenty goal scorer a number of times. Even a year ago, I think good shooter, had, yeah, very good shooter, and and that's a guy who could probably come in and help you a little bit still. Uh, but what what's the benefit of it at this point though? Expiring you know, deal, yeah, right. He's you know he's I think about thirty three years old now, um, you know. Could he come in and, and, and help you and, and stabilize things and be a veteran presence? Probably. But in in the bigger picture, 
you're really trying to find out who's going to be part of the solution here, as, as we've talked about a number of times. Well, a guy like Craig Smith would not be. Lucas Sedlak would not be. Uh, Artem Anisimov would not be. And you, so you, you want to look at players in different situations, different roles, playing them late in, late in close games, and, and doing something that runs counter to that, even if it helps you win a few more games in the short term, it's not really helping you in the bigger picture. So I, I'm personally, I'm personally against bringing in any short-term veterans. Um, uh, I want to see, I want to see more. I want to see, can Owen Tippett keep running with how he's doing and Morgan Frost. And uh, you know, for as long as JVR is here, that seems to be, they've found something with that line. They, yeah. they seem to work together quite well. Um, but in the bigger picture, you want to see the the younger players spread their wings and and, and take some ownership and, and the team take a bigger bite. Um, Joel Farabee getting his getting his game going in it, and he's a guy who actually has taken a bigger bite in the past. Yeah, you know, but he's in the first year of that contract extension. You want to see him getting back to where he was, and the only way to the only way to do that is by playing them and playing them in important situations too. So that's that's where I think that they ought to be going and. That's where I think that's where I think the coach sees where they should be going too. Yeah, he, yeah, that seems pretty clear. Um, JVR, you mentioned him. I know he ended up Fridge uh, put some stuff out about James Van Rumstyke being, um, I guess, other teams being told is he is up for bid and he is on the market. Uh, he missed a lot of time, obviously, with the the hand and the surgery that followed, but he's come back and played really well. And he's a guy, Bill. He's a guy that I think could help a lot of teams and the Flyers can help, help those teams in the sense that they can eat half the money. I mean, they don't have any cap problems with their LTIR situation, eat half the money and trade him. And I mean, he's going to come off the books after this year, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, but to me, there should be a decent market for a player like James Jenner. Even if you have a great power play, he can help PP too. He's a guy that does score goals and will fit into any locker room culturally because of the professional that he is and the way that he carries himself. And don't think that other GMs don't know the way he carries himself. No, for sure. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of just being a human being and, and the guy, good guy in the room, you're not going to find many better guys. Than JVR. He, he's, he's a great guy, stays in shape. You never, you never have to worry. And, and he's been durable too. Um, the only time he's missed, you know, he's missed is, is things like the broken index finger. You know, yeah. something that's you know, beyond anybody's control. But but he's not a guy who misses times, a lot of muscle strains, or he's never had major surgery of any kind. He, he stayed pretty healthy for most of his career. And he'd be he around. He takes his body seriously because, he, I mean, he treats it like a temple, you know, from sure sleep does, yeah. to what he puts in it. No, but he, he sure does. And, you know, the, the best season of his career – his final season in Toronto, his 37 goal year, people forget he was on the third line at five on five. Um, You've seen 14 so, minutes a night. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a good spot for him. I think that that's the, yep. on a deep team. I think that that's a, you know, that that's about the right role for him. Um, so I, I think that uh, he, he's a known quantity. He'll, you know, he'll fit in any room. He'll, he won't be a distraction. He'll come in and, you know, as you see that that he's providing some help to guys like Frost and Tippett, he could do that for another team too. So I think I I think as long as he stays healthy, um, the Flyers will have no issue whatsoever trading him. And I don't I don't I'm not saying they're going to get a 
phenomenal asset back because it is an expiring contract. But they could get some. They could get something of value back yeah. in return and, and a nice asset in return. And I mean, honestly, if you do it ahead of the deadline, do do it a little sooner. Um, a get to get some more time to be situated another you know with with another club, and B, you know, it, it enables you to to start the transition process too. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I it just it just makes sense all the way around. Whether whether it actually happens now or whether it actually happens close to the deadline, it seems inevitable that it will happen. Yeah, I agree. And you know, one of the, you know, a guy that fits into any room is there's another guy that we'd love to fit in the Flyers room right now, and that's Cam Atkinson. Since John Tortorella has come here, he's not played a game, and you know, he was cleared and was working on getting back, and we saw that practice where he went at it hard with Risto and it was banging around, but now he's been placed on IR. I was my initial hope bill was that this was a paper transaction because of the Lucas Sedlak situation with the terminating of the contract and they had to call up Kiefer Bellows. But if we haven't heard by now, I imagine it's not a paper transaction and he is on IR. I'm not sure if it's retro, but um, I'm not sure what the situation is here or where the things are going with Cam Atkinson. Um, It's been, it's been pretty mum. And I think that people need to understand sometimes it's not mum because that's what the organization wants. It's mum because that's what the player wants. Yeah. Yeah. I go back a year ago to Ryan Ellis' situation. <laughs> and, and, and then, you, you know, then, then it became a lot clearer. Well, he didn't want to do a bunch of interviews about pelvic pain. Right. And you yeah. understand, you, you know, and, and you get it. And, uh, you know, and sometimes, sometimes the play, you know, sometimes you, are not entirely sure what's causing the issue or, you know, sometimes it is multiple things and sometimes it's a uncomfortable or just a personal thing to talk about. So um, it's, it's not always the organization's call. There, there is, there is a privacy element to it as well. And, and, and listen, I mean, it is frustrating, especially because this, this started playing out on the third day of training camp. Yeah. And, it was said to be day to day and, and Tort said in, in interviews and back to back days, don't worry, he's going to be in the opening line lineup. And, and Cam has not played a single game. didn't play a single preseason game. And then, and then you see him in practice and you, I mean, really going pretty hard in practice. And then he even traveled with the team on some trips and, and he's on IR. Uh, I there, there's no reason not to backdate it because it does doesn't come with a time period as to when you have, have to activate them. So they they could go back to opening night if they want to, which mm. you know. Um, but uh, it, it seems it just seems from the reading the tea leaves here that the optimism that he was close to returning that it would be sooner than later. I, I I don't think they would have taken the IR step at, mm. at this late date. If that was the case. So. Yeah. yeah, It's unfortunate because knowing Cam Atkinson a little bit, as you do as well, you know it's tearing him apart to not be out there. Yeah. That's just the kind of guy he is and the competitor he is. And he loves playing for torts and, you know, sanctioned him to come here and certainly gave the recommendation as well. Though we haven't seen or heard much from Wade Allison. I know he's been out there a bit and we see him skating, you know, with the guys that aren't going to be in the lineup. But, um, it's got to be close to the time that Wade Allison should be back. Yeah, tricky injury though. Hip. The 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 oblique, you know those oblique strains, those those can linger. 
those can recur. You, ha- you have to be have to be careful with it. And it's one of the ones that's a little hard sometimes to put an exact timeline on too. So it's again very frustrating, particularly for a guy who's had so many injuries in, in his still young career and missed so much time and, and seemed to be really settling in nicely. Uh, that's another guy who torch who torch challenged yeah. uh, pretty pretty explicitly where he said, well, you know, he keeps playing the way he is. He's going to east-west himself right out of the lineup. Right, uh, that, that made very clear how he wanted him to play and, and what he didn't think he was getting. But I, but the player responded to it um, and, and was put together, I thought, I thought a, a number of pretty good games in a row. So it's, it, it's quite frustrating. Um, we'll, we'll learn more this week. I would probably, I, I would be inclined to say that with the holiday break coming up, they'd be inclined to be a little, a little more conservative, even if he's close and maybe bring him back after, after the break. Yeah. You get the two games now before the holiday, or you could just wait and get basically an extra week out yeah. of it and give him some time to, you know, practice with the group when they reconvene uh, after Christmas as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's only two more games left uh, before Christmas, only one more home game left in the calendar year, 2022. That'll be tomorrow night against Columbus. And we will, preview that game coming up tomorrow great stuff as always bill read bill stuff at philadelphiaflyers.com nhl.com and hockeybuzz.com as well and we will talk to you tomorrow we'll preview flyers blue jackets on a brand new episode of flyers daily